Again, is there anybody who needs a sheet to work on? Everybody has one? Okay. Well, I don't believe either one of them. I don't believe the devil made me do it, and I don't believe angels made me do it. I believe I made my own choice. It may have influenced me, but it's my choice that I make along the way. need to be reminded of that in our life because we have that tendency of wanting to blame others for what we have done rather than our being willing to take the responsibility ourselves. I'm not going to cover the whole subject on angels. I've got a book here by a friend of mine. It's over 400 pages long dealing with angels. And there's no way that I could cover all that material along the way. I'm trying to figure out what I did with it. There it is. I outlined. (laughs) You've got a lot of blanks on yours, and I may not want to have to... I feel those blanks in myself either. Uh, have you ever overanalyzed something? For example, have you ever sat down and tried to analyze how you walk? What's involved in your walking? What has to take place? What movements have to take place? What muscles have to be involved? And all of that along the way, and you just overanalyze it. You ever overanalyze how you talk? How is it that you can come up with words and put them in a sentence and not fully understand the process that's involved in that? Well, we do this with Hebrews 1 and verse 14. Angels are our ministering servants. Well, I want to know how they minister to me. Give me the details. We're not asked to understand how they minister to us. We are asked to believe that they do. How does God work in your life? How does Christ work in your life? How does the Holy Spirit work in your life? How does God's servants, the ministers, or the angels, how do they work in your life? We like all the details on that. We're not given those details. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Back in Psalm 34... Verses 7 through 9. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. 
For there is no want to those who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Angels appeared in the past to bring man God's word and to confirm it, not so today. The word has been given and it has been confirmed and that is what we stand by. We're reminded in Psalm 119 and verse 19 that I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. We've never been here before, so never pass this way again. How do we go? What do we do? The psalmist says, do not hide your commandments from me. The word of God has been fully preached and confirmed. And it is our guide along the way. We're reminded in Galatians 1 and 9 that if an angel preaches anything different than what we have in the Gospels, then he is to be accursed. Who are the angels? What are their origins? I'll give you the verses. You can write those down. If you want to write the statement afterwards, you can do that. But if I give you the verses, at least you can look at those later on. You look at Psalm 148, verse 2 and verse 5. And you look at Nehemiah in verse nine, chapter 9 and in verse 6. Their origin... They are a creation of God. They have not been eternal. They were created by God. And they're here to serve God. Number two is that of John 1, 1 through 3. In verse 14. That's John 1, 1 through 3 in verse 14. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17. And being created by God, they were spoke into existence by Christ. They were spoke into existence by Christ. They're created beings. Job 38 and verse 7 and number 3 would remind us that they were created before the foundation of the world. In the beginning, God created them. They were created before he laid the foundation of the world and all that goes along with it. They beheld his creation and saw what he had done. Their order in God's creation, number one, the flip side of Hebrews 2 and verse 7, they are higher than man. Man's a little lower than the angels, the text says. So if they're a little lower than angels, they're higher than man. They're greater than man in power in 2 Peter 2 and verse 11. They're greater than man and they're greater than power in power than man is. They're able to do what man cannot do. Number two, they are subject to Christ. That's in 1 Peter 3, verse 22. 
It's in Ephesians 1, verse 20 and 22. And in Matthew 28, and verse 18. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. So those who are created by God, the angels are under the authority of Christ. Number three, under God's creation, Colossians 1 and verse 18. And then in Revelation 19 and verse 10, and Revelation 22 Verses 8 and 9. The angels are not to be worshipped. Only God is to be worshipped. As great as they are and the power that they have, they are not to be worshipped. But God is to be worshipped. And in number 4, Galatians 1 and verse 9. They're subject to the word of God. If an angel was to preach anything else except what's already been given, he's to be accursed. They cannot give anything except what has already been given by God through his word. They were involved in bringing it, but once it's been confirmed, it is not subject to change even by an angel above. Looking at the nature of angels, they're spiritual beings. In the reading this this morning out of Hebrews 1 and verse 7, who makes his angels spirits? They're ministering spirits in verse 14 of Hebrews. And again, we like to overanalyze that. We want to know how exactly do they minister to us? What is involved in that? Do they direct us? Do they make you do something that you didn't want to do? Do they point it out? Leave the angels use what they helped to reveal to man earlier is the word of God. As we read and as we study his word, those words will come to mind. Here's what you're to do and here's what you're not to do. But they don't have a direct voice to your mind to say, this is what you need to do. Or this is where you do not need to go. We live in a time frame when we'd like to have that. We'd like to have an angel stand before us and say, stop. You need to reconsider what you're doing. If you go down this road, you're going down the wrong road. But why would we listen to an angel or have to have an angel tell us that when God's word tells us that? God gives us his word to direct us through this life. Through his word, we learn the things that we ought not to do or things that we should be doing that maybe we're not doing. But the angel has already done his job in the giving of the word for us to, to go by within our life. We're reminded in Mark 12 and verse 25 that in the resurrection that we will be like angels, spiritual beings. We will not be angels. You hear that a lot of time when somebody's passed on. Well, 
Heaven has another angel. Uh, we're not angels. We'll not be angels. We will be spiritual beings as they are. In Luke 20, verses 35 and 36, reminds us those angels that are spiritual beings, they do not marry or are they given in marriage. They're a separate entity from man. And they are spiritual beings, and we one day will have this spiritual body as well. And number four there on the spiritual beings, draw a line through that one. What I had in there is going to be too complicated to get out in the way I had it worded, so I decided it'd be easier just, those three are good enough. Uh, you ought to be able to work with those. You don't need number four there. Do angels appear to men today? They did of old. They were God's messenger. They confirmed the word, but not today, because the word has been perfected and been confirmed. Basically, that was their task involved. We'll look at a few others, but they were to bring God's message to mankind when man did not have the word already there for him. And then once the word was had come, and once the word has been confirmed, that part of their job has been fulfilled. And number two, if they did appear and attempted to change something, Galatians 1, 6, 8, 8 through 9, it'd be a curse. Again, all they could use is the word of God. And that's what they are, are there to remind us. They're not there in a way to, we can hear them and talk to them. But they point us or we would be pointed to the word of God to find out what it is that God wants us to do and what God does not want us to do. Number three, and do they appear to men today that did of old in Galatians 8, no, Galatians, Genesis 18 and 19, to test the righteous, the men of old, to test their righteousness, Abraham and Lot. Are you going to trust what God has to say? Are you willing to do what God has to say? We're reminded in Hebrews 13 and verse 2, number 4 there, we're admonished to be careful to entertain strangers. Reference back that, that some had did that with angels of old, had entertained angels unaware. But we do not have a physical appearance and not going to appear to you in a dream at night with their little white wings and, and halo and whatever else they have above them. That's not God's picture of who they are or what they do. It's part of man wanting to have an explanation of exactly how do they work within our lives. But again, are we overanalyzing it? How does God work in your life? Through his word? How does Jesus work in your life through his word? How does the Holy Spirit work in your life through his word? How do angels work in our lives? They work through the word. They help to, re, to give it to mankind. That's their tool that they use 
And it's a tool that we ought to use within our lives. Angels are limited beings. They're not all powerful. Now, to First Peter one, verse three, chapter three, and verse twenty-two. First Peter three and verse twenty-two. They're not all powerful. They're subject to God and they're subject to Christ. It's interesting as well that in Revelation twelve, verses seven and eight, that the wicked angels are subject to the righteous angels in that war that took place in heaven. But they're limited. They're not at number two. They're not everywhere at one time. As you look at Daniel, excuse me, as you look at Daniel 9, verses 21 through 23, you will find that an angel had to come to Daniel and then go to another place. So they're not instantly there. They are limited in what they're able to do. Number three, they are not all wise. Only God. Look at Matthew 24 and verse 36. They do not know when Christ is coming again. They don't have that knowledge. It has not been given to them. So they're not all knowing as God is. And then in 1 Peter 1 and verse 12. The angels did not understand God's plan of redeeming man. And wanted to know more about it. What was involved in that? But they were not given all that information. So again, they have a limitation along the way. Their work and their mission is to do God's will. They are involved in doing God's will. They're going to execute God's vengeance at one time. They did in the past when they were people were disobedient to God. We see it again in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. When the Lord comes with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution upon those who do not know God and upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They're going to be involved in executing God's vengeance. But again... That's how it's stated, and that's what they're going to be used as God says they will be used. They also are a minister of God's law. Look over in Galatians chapter 3 and in verse What purpose does the law serve? Was it, it was added because of transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Again, they're involved in this putting forth God's law and bringing it to man. Angels were involved in the ministry of Jesus 
is coming into this world. Luke 1, verses 26 through 28. Again in Luke, or Luke 2, verses 8 through 15. Also seen in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7, in the resurrection of Jesus. In Acts 1, and verse 11, coming to the apostles. But they indeed are subject to Christ, number four there. Look over in First Peter chapter three and verse twenty-two. He has gone into heaven, Christ, and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to Him. They're subject to Christ. They're subject to God. They cannot do anything on their own. We're reminded that the Word of God is thoroughly, can thoroughly equip us for every good work. They were involved in giving us the Word. That's their job, is to do the will that God would have them to do. And again, how exactly do these spiritual beings bring that all about? We're not told. We can sit there and try to figure it out. Man can conjure up a lot of imageries of how that works. But I believe he works best through the word that he has given to us. And again, they will come at the end of time with Christ in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. They do work in the lives or in the lives of the righteous. Peter reminds us in First Peter chapter one, verses nine through twelve. Again, talking about the prophets of old, as they wanted to know at what time frame they were prophesying. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed and not to themselves but to us. They were ministering the things which are now reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. They want to know. It's interesting that these spiritual beings that were created by God, who live in a realm that is not ours, want to know how God is working. Isn't that what we want to know too? How God works. How does He work in our lives? What are the things, how does He do what He does? How is He able to bring to mind? Scriptures that would help us to do the things that God would want us to do. We're reminded in James 1, verse 21, that it's through the implanted word that is able to save our souls. But again, angels were involved in giving the word. And the word that they had given and confirmed, that was confirmed, is able to give us what we need 
to save our souls. In Psalm 119, verses 97, 97 and 99, we're reminded that the Word of God is to be our meditation. It's what we're to dwell on, to think about. And again, angels were involved in making that possible, that you could dwell upon the Word of God. And is it not true that as you read and study His Word, and as you meditate upon it down through the years, that there are times when you say, uh-huh, I think I understand that one now. I see that a little better than I did earlier. They're working to help us through the Word, to change our life, to encourage us to do what is right. But they do not make us do what is right. That's what we want. I want them to make me do what is right. I want them to stop me from doing what is wrong. And I want them to be the ones that make me. God made us free moral beings. And we get to choose whether we will hear him or not. They work on behalf of the righteous in Hebrews 1 and verse 14. We know that they are there. But we do not know how they work. And again, if we had to know how it worked or how they worked before we could do anything, would we be able to do anything? How do you understand a spiritual being? How do you understand the nature of God and how he works in this world. We live in a physical world in which we do a lot of things that we do not understand how they work. If I could not drive a car until I understood exactly how it works, I wouldn't be driving a car. If I had to know exactly how electricity works, I wouldn't be using it. I've got screwdrivers to tell you I don't know how to use electricity. They got little burnt pieces out of them, putting them places they did not belong. We live the physical life on a basis of trust that God could design this body to work. We have made progress and helping the physical body to work with artificial limbs and so on and so forth. But they all have their limitations as well. We're talking about a spiritual realm of which, of which we, while we live here, that we cannot see or fully understand that will determine where we will be eternally. Do we trust God that he knows how that is to work and is willing to work that out within our lives? They work on our behalf, again, not by miracles. 
but through the Word. The Word of God is able to save the soul. They've given us what we need to find salvation, where we use it and where we follow it. Number three, the angels hearken unto the Word of God. See that in Psalm 103 and verse 20. You also see it in, in Revelation 22 and verse 9. They hearken unto the word of God. Help us to hearken unto the word of God. And the angels, as do the Holy Spirit, they work on our behalf. How they do that, again, God is in control of that. Everything works together for good, Romans 8, 28. To those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. Everything works together for good. Not just what happens in our physical life, but how God operates and moves about. How he uses the spiritual realm in helping us as we walk on this physical earth. It all works together for our good. So that we can have that hope of eternal life one day with God. The angels stand before God on behalf of the righteous in Daniel 12 and verse 1. And also in Matthew 18, verse 10. Again, we live here and how he works between there and, and the spiritual realm. He watches over souls, the, the angels. But they do not interfere with decisions that they make along the way. The angels have a concern for lost souls, which is interesting. Number one, you can look at Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. It's interesting. When one lost soul is found, the angels rejoice, rejoice in heaven. One lost soul, their concern, but they never tell the sinner what to do. Number two, Acts 8, verse 26. Acts 10, verses 3 through 6. Acts 11, verse 14. They help others be in contact. An angel would appear to Cornelius, but he would tell him to send for Peter. And Peter would tell you words by which you must be saved. The angel's not going to tell Peter. But he'll put him in the right direction. You ever have somebody approach you because somebody indicated that you'd be one to talk to? If you've got a question, go talk to so-and-so. They'll help you to learn what you need to do. Not directly, but indirectly. Number three there, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, Second Corinthians 4 and verse 7. The only thing we have to learn about salvation is what we have from God's Word. Again, Galatians 1, 8 through 9. If anything is preached outside what you've already received, that person is going to be accursed, whether it be a preacher 
or whether it be an angel. The only thing we have of what God has given to us is his word. That is indeed what we need to be willing to go, go by within our life. They minister in the death of the righteous. When Lazarus died, he was carried into by the angels to Abraham's bosom. But again, see, we want the work in here now, as opposed to waiting to trust God and how it all works out. They're going to herald the end of time. They're going to say, "This is it." In You've got Revelation 10, 1 through 6, but you can also use 2 Thessalonians 1. Sorry about verse 6 or 5 and go through verse 9. Jesus will come with his mighty angels in flame and fire. The end of time has come. You do not want to wait till then to see an angel unprepared. You better be making the preparation here. If God be with us or for us, who can be against us? Number one is Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Tie it all together. James 1, verses 14 through 16. Romans says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. But James 1, 12, uh, 14 through 16 says we can separate ourselves from God. It's up to us. There's nothing out there. We need to have conviction of that. There's nothing out there that can separate us from the love of God. It comes from within here. But the separation will take place. Lust, when it gives forth, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. I use that, I would say that's my LSD passage. LSD brings death. Lust, sin, death. It starts here, nothing on the outside. We give in here. And that can bring forth death. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Need to be reminded again that God provides a way of escape. God makes that provision. Then Psalm 61, verse 2 and 3. God is described as our strong tower from the enemy. He makes the protection. Ours is to be willing to go to him to find that to be true. Last two ought to be fairly easy. The destiny of good angels, the same as the eternal state of the righteous. Heaven. Giving praise to God. You look at Luke 20, verses 35 through 36. Heavenly Jerusalem, Hebrews 12, verses 22 and 23. 
The angels will continually give praise to God around his throne. Psalm 148, verse 2, as well as Revelation 7, verses 11 and verse 15. The destiny of the wicked, Revelation 12, verse 9 and verse 12, they are cast out of heaven. Matthew 25 and verse 41, in Revelation 20 and verse 10, the destiny of the wicked is an eternal place prepared, hell, be tormented. Interesting thing about that is out of Revelation 12 and verse and 12, and that's in number three. In James 2 and verse 19, Satan knows this is his destiny. Revelation 12, 12. The angels know that this is their destiny. Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 4. But they do not change. We're not doing God's will. That can be our destiny. But we have the opportunity in which to change. Number four is out of Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 4. That one is James 2, 19. I'm sorry. On number three. The wicked angels are reserved now in chains of darkness until judgment. That being punished now, the wicked angels. And then there's that eternal punishment that will come at the end of time. God's desire is that we would carefully listen to his word, the Bible. That we would glean the lessons from it that would enable us Through his love and mercy, find that need to make a change within our life. There is no, the angels made me do it. Nor is there any, the devil made me do it. I choose my own free will in light of the evidence that I have been given as to whether I will follow God or not. He will patiently wait until a time has come when he said, that's it, time is over. And then will be the judgment. The angels cannot spare you from that, or can the devil make you go one way or the other? It's your choice. Question will be, whose voice are you listening to? Jesus, let us come to you. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus. You will find what you need through what he's given to you through his word. But he bids you to come. He has an invitation that until time ceases to be, an invitation that never ends. It's open at any time, all time. 
so that at any time within our life when we've reached a conclusion that we're going down the wrong path, that we can change. Opportunity is given this morning for such a change. If your life is not where it should be, if your life is not in light of the Word of God, through the message that He's given to us, change. If it needs to become a child of God, but one has not, to be able to do that, to acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins, the willingness of your, on your part to confess and repent of those sins, the willingness to obey Him in baptism for the remission of those sins, so that you can be raised to walk a new life, the child of the living God. That invitation is extended. It's open to all. If you need to respond to it in any way, if we could assist you, we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.